Welcome to Shred the Should podcast, where we celebrate incredible humans redefining self, success, and the word should. Today, we have an extra special guest, Lucia Green. And Lucia and I go way back, way, way back. I think you are probably my oldest friend, not like oldest, but like longest friend yeah. at this point. <laughs> so that is really cool. And I'm excited to have you on. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I know I love how long we've known each other and now we're doing this. It's so cool. I know. I'm super excited. I think that you have a lot to offer people. So I want to start off by telling people a little bit more about who you are. So how would you define yourself? Okay. So I definitely would define myself as a very multi-passionate and creative person in terms of what I do, so I'm currently a grad student right now pursuing my master's in school counseling. Before I was in grad school, I got my bachelor's in journalism and Spanish, and then I went on to teaching Spanish for two years, decided that that wasn't quite the space for me, so made a pivot to go to grad school, which kind of brings me to where I am now. So right now, I work at a college as well, so I'm in higher ed, so I'm coaching students who are on academic probation while also interning in a school for school counseling. But outside of really like the education and student development sphere, I'm also super passionate about theater. So that's something that I'm involved in. I do a lot of community theater shows. I've participated in theater and dance for pretty much all of my life. I started dance when I was three. So I've kind of ebbed and flowed throughout that relationship as well. And it's something I really care about. I'm also really into holistic healing. So when I was about 16, I got involved in a spiritual healing center. So I've also developed a lot in my spirituality. And I know that looks very different for a lot of different people. So happy to elaborate on that at some point. But yeah, I'm pretty much just passionate about being a learner about all kinds of things. And I think that storytelling is super powerful. So I try to get to know other people and other people's stories and the different spheres of my life. Ooh, I like that. I like how you <laughs> kind of broke down the different layers of who you are. And, you know, I always ask this question because I want to see how people define themselves. And so often it's, this is what I do, not this is mm -hmm. who I am or how I show up in the world. Right. And sometimes what we do is how we show up in the world, but sometimes they're very different things. Definitely. I like that. So I have so many questions for you, but <laughs> Let's let's go back in time, I guess. Let's talk about kind of the story of how we met because I think this is really, really yes. so for me, it's been cool watching you over the last couple of years where, you know, our relationship started as I was your mentor for this program, mm -hmm. right? And I remember calling you that first like summer yep. when we were supposed to meet our mentees and you didn't call me back. And I was, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, she hates me. Like, this is going to be awful. And then this ended up being like one of the best friendships I could have ever asked for. And this, we've been friends for so many years post-college mm -hmm. now, which is cool. And so it's also been cool to watch you grow from, you know, being a mentee to then being a mentor in the program to then how that's taking you into school counseling right, and teaching and all these things and, and how you're still kind of developing as we all are, right? And mm -hmm. finding what makes you feel alive versus the things you think you should do. And I feel like I've just had a really special insight into your should shredding journey, yeah. if that sounds accurate. Oh yeah, you've had um, a front row seat <laughs> for sure. And 
I think it's also like, I think I was really lucky because, you know, shout out to you too, having you as a mentor, it's been cool to be able to watch you and kind of lead by example, sort of. And I think I've learned a lot by watching you and kind of seeing the different steps that you take. Even my mom right now, like we'll still say, you know, like, thank goodness for Alex Katz. Like she really helped you and changed you. I'm like, I know. So I think that's just, it's such a cool way that our relationship has grown and just to kind of see each other unfold. It's been really awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd say too, on the flip side, I've definitely learned a lot from you. And that really just shows that I think everyone needs a mentor. Everyone needs a coach. And the mentees become the mentors in different ways as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And just seeing how on your journey, you know, yeah, maybe I can influence and I can help in some ways, but you really kind of have grown into, into Mm -hmm. your own person. Right. And I think as long as we're always learning, that's the key. That's what you said, right? You're a lifelong learner. Yeah. I think sometimes we stop because we're, we think we either know it all, ego gets in the way, or we're afraid mm-hmm. to keep going, right? Because what if we Yeah. Fail? Yeah. And sometimes too, I think, you know, society or maybe our different social like circles, they tell us, you know, like this is the point that you arrive at, like this is what you're working towards. And then maybe you reach it, whether that's a certain job. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now what do I do? You know, because if all you are doing is sort of striving to this end point, sometimes I think it's easy to lose sight of who you are or what you really want out of life, because that is more than just a job or, you know, a certain goal. Like we're so, we're such multifaceted people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just also part of that whole growing and learning process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, and for anybody who li- listening who doesn't know, Lucia's also been doing some awesome meditations and <laughs> yoga classes for my clients, and that's been super valuable. So I feel like you know I'm learning something from you every day because there are we all have different strengths, right? And there are areas where we might be really confident, and there's areas where we need help, and that's perfect mm-hmm. that we can all come together like that. So. I love that. That is amazing. She's amazing. Check her out. Check out her meditations. <laughs> Not going to yeah, tell I'm you what you should, <laughs> right? Not going to tell you what you should do, but you should totally check you out her should meditations. come. <laughs> yeah. So question for you, because I, I want to go through this whole story here because you have an incredible story. Mm-hmm. But my question is, what do you think is the biggest should you've ever shred and why? So there have been many shoulds that I have learned to shred and some that I am still shredding I will say (laughs) this is definitely a practice I think one of the biggest ones was this idea that I should be the one who has to sacrifice what I want or how I feel to maintain peace Mm -hmm. I think a lot of my lessons that I've been learning in this lifetime kind of revolve around you know feeling like I'm supposed to be a peacekeeper for other people's emotions. Um, And sometimes that might have involved like sacrificing my own feelings, because I would have this narrative that said, well, I should be the strong one because I can handle it. And therefore, I'm not going to make other people feel uncomfortable, because I can take this on and I can handle it. And they don't, I don't want them to have to worry about it. So I think that that sort of people-pleasing attitude or idea of me needing to put my feelings or desires or this or that on the back burner, I think that's been a major shift for me as I've just been growing and learning. 
And, you know, I'll still have those tendencies, you know, it's the same thing with any kind of habit change. Sometimes your instinct is to fall back to that default way of thinking or feeling. The difference now is that I'm more aware of that. So if I'm having, let's say, a people-pleasing instinct, for example, I can notice it, I can acknowledge it, and I can then choose differently. And, you know, sometimes I might go in that direction for a certain reason, but other times, you know, I'm going to, I'll pick a different route, whatever I feel will serve me the most and what I need, that's the route that I'm choosing. And so I think that has just shown itself in different ways throughout my life, be it in the dance or the theater world, be it in the academic space, be it with family. I think these things come up as patterns in different areas. So that's one of the things for sure. I like what you said there about noticing, right? Noticing, building awareness and choosing differently, because Mm -hmm. I think this is something that so many people struggle with. I'm thinking of the reason I started this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Shredding shoulds and how that should shame and guilt and need to put others in front of ourselves shows up. And I think sometimes we notice that we're doing it and then we get consumed by this shame and guilt that we're even doing it yeah like this in the first place do you feel like that yeah I think that has been I think that has been such a big part of my healing as well because I would notice these like you know feelings and then I would just start attacking myself like oh why do you feel this way or you know like this is so frustrating like why can't I stop feeling like this you know why can't I stop feeling guilty for blah 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 and what has been really important and helpful for me is to choose to treat myself with love and kindness and compassion, which I think, you know, sometimes it might kind of come off as like woo woo stuff when you hear about it, like in the social media world or wherever, but it is true. It makes a big difference because now instead of, uh, you know, feeling a feeling, you know, that's maybe, I don't know, guilt, I guess, for example, like feeling guilty for something rather than falling into that spiral, I would fall into, oh my gosh, like, why do I keep feeling this way? Like what's wrong with me? Now I can better notice it and identify it as guilt, you know, and I don't even really have to explain to myself why, because by now I have an awareness of where that's coming from and, you know, why I've been conditioned in one way to feel that way. But so I don't really have to entertain myself with the story of it at this point. But I can say, you know, like you're doing your best right now or you feel this way because you care. And then I can just look kind of look inward and ask, what do you need the most right now? And sometimes I will literally like text a friend and ask like, hey, like I just need some validation. Like, can you offer this to me right now? And that's all I need. Or sometimes it's just talking to myself and then going for a walk or just like leaving the situation. And so I think just treating myself with kindness has been really helpful with that, like should shame and that guilt. That's really important. And I like that you asked yourself, what do I need? Because so often Mm -hmm. with people pleasing, we're asking what everybody else needs instead of what we need. And I'll have my clients do the same thing where I'll say, what do you need in this moment? Put yourself Mm -hmm. first for a second, but that non-judgmental awareness is really, really important. And I think that's a really helpful tip for so many people. Yeah. And something that I just thought of, as you were saying that I was listening to this podcast and we were talking about, you know, that process of listening to yourself and how sometimes 
when you're in uh, such a deep low or a deep spiral, it can feel so hard sometimes to even know what it is you need. And so, you know, sometimes people ask like, what do you need right now? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what I need right now. And that's so real too, to just not even know. And something they talked about as a possible practice is to, you know, start with the little things. Like I think the person they interviewed was, you know, practicing by selecting, oh, what candle do I want to put on right now? Or like, what blanket do I want to like cover me right now? And just practicing trusting yourself in these different moments, then helping you trust yourself when you're with bigger feelings. But it is so real sometimes you just don't even know what you need. And it's a little bit of trial and error. And I think that's valid too. And it's just kind of being kind to yourself through that as well. Yeah, I think so often we become so disconnected from what we actually need because we're Mm -hmm. focusing on the shoulds, right? Like, here's what I actually need, but here's what I think I should need or here's what I I should be doing. And when I'm working with clients and we're talking through like, how do I learn to trust my body? How do I learn to listen Mm -hmm. to my body? How do I learn to build trust with myself? It's that, Mm -hmm. right? It's showing up for yourself in those tiny ways. And I think often people think those aren't good enough, right? Like Mm -hmm. choosing what blanket to put on, right? Or deciding to go take a shower, those basic things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we, you know, going back to that should shame, we write them off as like, these are too basic. These aren't good enough. These aren't wins. And in reality, every single time you show up for yourself, every time you make a choice, every time you choose Mm -hmm. differently, every time you build awareness, right? Those are all wins that help you eventually choose a different path consistently. Definitely. Like that. That's super helpful. I hope that people listening are able to implement some of those tips into their lives because sometimes, like you said, we just don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. So I think that you offer a ton of valuable mental health info all the time, right? You're always like, okay, let's get grounded. Let's do this. And I (laughs) love that. So can you talk to me a little bit about your journey with like mental health, spiritual healing? whatever you want to share about getting to this point of wisdom that you are at right now in your life. Yeah, definitely. So I will say that throughout my life, I have not always been this grounded by any means. I, you know, have moments where I'm not grounded. And sometimes I'm just, you know, like, screw mindfulness. I don't feel like being mindful right now. You know, like, I think it's such an ebb and flow. So to kind of get to the beginning of it all, I definitely think my you know, one of my kind of bigger awareness moments was when I was in high school. And I found myself very depressed. I uh, was just, that was really my first kind of run in with depression. And I didn't know what it really was, because at that point, at least we weren't really learning about that in schools. And my friends weren't, you know, really talking about it. I just knew that I had these really big feelings and I had no clue what to do with them and no clue like where to channel them. And so uh, from there, I, you know, I remember a lot of my, I guess, treatment or coping skills rather was a lot of just me alone in my room, kind of just talking to myself in the mirror, you know, just like keep hanging on, kind of keep pushing through. And I still didn't understand what was going on, but at that moment, it was just about pushing through and just moving forward. And then, uh, you know, eventually, like, I was really lucky because I've, you know, I've had the privilege to go to therapy. So I've been able to, like, start that when I was 15. And I started kind of learning more about 
automatic thinking and about core beliefs and, you know, where this stems from in childhood or where you've learned these different things. So there I was able to start to unpack or like peel back the layers of this onion that is just the human experience. And I thought that was helpful. I also was a, a very a good student. So I kind of knew the right things to say. If anybody listening has been like through therapy or even just like any kind of coaching, you know, you kind of learn sometimes the things that the other person wants you to say. Um, and so I was doing that. And I think at the time, you know, I was like, oh, well, like, whatever, like, I just, I know this, like, I know about myself, like, there's nothing that they can't tell me, like, I know, blah, 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 and yada, yada. And, but yet, I was still feeling the big feelings, like, there was still some kind of block that was happening in my healing process. So, you know, fast forward through college, I had some more spouts with depression, and anxiety, and suicidality, and, you know, had kind of, this had been ebbing and flowing throughout my life, but I just kind of kept kept going, kept trying to just, you know, I guess kind of channel that the show must go on attitude that I had gotten from dance and from theater. So that's what I did. I just kept the show going on. I'm, you know, big smile on my face kind of during the day and for everybody else to see. And then when I was alone, that's really where I think I would feel it the hardest. And then, you know, that's going along. And then I end up 23 years old and probably in the worst like spot, probably my lowest of the lows with all of this. And, you know, for anybody who's like experienced depression before, you know, you may be able to relate to those feelings of like relapsing into it. And sometimes like each time you fall back in, it feels a little worse, depending on, you know, the level of treatment and coping skills that you're using. So for me, that's what happened. And it was really just the lowest of the low. I had been very suicidal. Um, and I just, there was one day where I got to work and I just knew that I needed to get help immediately because I was no longer safe. And that I think was probably my biggest, it was one of the scariest things I ever like did for myself, but it, I kind of am the most thankful for myself of that moment. I just ended up leaving and I just took myself to the hospital and I was just explaining what was going on with me. And I just kind of refused to leave until somebody could give me something um, because I just did not feel safe if, if I didn't get something from that day. And so, you know, I had been going kind of going through that whole motions of there, getting interviewed. Um, and then I remember one of the social workers talking to me and was saying, well, you know, like this is developmentally appropriate. You know, this is part of, you know, what happens when you, you know, start like going, growing up or entering the job force and XYZ thing. And I remember just yelling at this person, which also is very out of my character <laughs> to like yell at an authority figure, you know, it kind of breaks the conditioning there. But I just yelled at this person, like, this is not, you know, even if it were developmentally appropriate, I'm not accepting that as an answer because this keeps happening to me and has been happening since I was 15 years old. And I, you know, said to them, I said, I'm not leaving here for this to happen again and for it to get worse. I'm not leaving here. And it wasn't until I like yelled at him and, you know, I was like, sorry for being disrespectful, but, but you know, I was like, it wasn't until that moment where 
he then gave me like an option, which was to participate in an intensive outpatient program. And so again, like luckily, like I was privileged enough to have like resources to get acquainted and like get into this. And then that's really where I started doing the bulk of my work. And it was a partial day program in groups and for several weeks. And I think I've learned the most about myself in that period of time and with the people I was with. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that that has been a big part. I think my spirituality, like I said, I was involved in a spiritual healing center. So I think that was also like a protective factor for me having something like that, because I was able to sort of lean on that. So I've utilized a lot of different, I guess, resources. And I've been fortunate enough where I have social supports too. So like people I could talk to. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of a bit of the journey, I guess, in a nutshell. But it definitely was not always me feeling grounded and mindful. It was often me being like, screw off mindfulness. Like, I don't care. Like, okay, I'm doing this yoga class and I don't feel any better. So like, this is bullshit. Like, no, I don't believe in this at all. And, you know, it was a lot of like, just like low feelings and not grounded whatsoever. (laughs) And then, you know, little by little, I just kind of decided, well, you know, you only have a couple options here. And one is to continue down the path that you were going, which doesn't look too great if you keep going down. Or, you know, you can just kind of buckle up and try out some of these other healing opportunities for you. So that's kind of been my journey, more or less. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much I want to go back to in your story. I guess let's start with what you just said, though. So Obviously, a lot of it was you putting in the work, right, in clinic and Mm -hmm. diving into those deep parts of yourself. And then, like you said, you deciding to buckle up and go for the ride and see what happens. So Mm -hmm. on that ride, when did you start to notice a difference, right? You decided that you wanted to start making different choices, right? The mindfulness Mm -hmm. maybe didn't feel that great. You didn't feel that grounded, but you kept Mm -hmm. going. So at what point did you start to notice a difference? That's such a good question because I think while I was in the thick of it, it was so hard to notice any kind of difference. It was, you know, quite literally just wake up the next day and then list out, list out what you're doing today. Like get up, get up, take a shower, take a shower, like listing all the things to just get myself moving and doing the things. And so I think that I don't think that I really noticed it probably until a couple months into uh, that program because, you know, I still like I remember I would ask some of the facilitators there, you know, I would say like, you know, I just don't get it. Like, how do you, you know, everybody says you should talk about, you know, say affirmations to yourself. But what happens like when you just don't believe them? you know, like I could say them, sure, but I just don't believe them. And she would just like say to me, you know, sometimes you just say the thing. And it's okay that you don't believe it yet. Because one day, like, you just might like the more, you know, kind of like opposite actions of right, like, if you're not feeling like if you're feeling like you want to stay in bed all day, for example, 
like, yeah, like you don't want to get out of bed. Like you're going to want to feel like laying in bed, but the more opposite things that you do, such as like getting out of bed, even if it's just to brush your teeth or just to take the shower, you start to now lean more towards that side and you start to do them a little bit more. And so, you know, maybe it was two months or so in when I started noticing, I don't know if by that point I was, you know, totally sold on myself really. But I think I started noticing like, you know what, like this is worth paying attention to because I would see other people also growing and learning in the program I was in. And I think I noticed in myself, like, okay, I'm actually am uh, like doing more things during the day. Like I act all of a sudden, like I have, you know, goals again, all of a sudden I have, I'm like reconnected to myself. So it's hard for me to say exactly when, because I think it sort of happened while I wasn't noticing, but probably I was maybe conscious of it two months or so. Yeah. And I think that seems to be a trend, right? So whether it's depression, it's struggling with body image, it's struggling with food, right? Whatever the thing for Mm -hmm. anybody listening, whatever your thing is, I think it's really common for us to just be so in it that we don't notice when we're making progress or we don't think we're making progress. And I mean, you're talking about affirmations, you know, my version of that is hero thoughts, right? And I Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ask my clients to do daily because Mm -hmm. we know that it works. And I like that you brought up, well, what happens if I don't believe it? yet Mm -hmm. right because Mm -hmm. that's something I hear Mm -hmm. literally every single day and I mean I did the same thing you know when I was struggling with depression and I was like let's try this gratitude thing let's try these Mm -hmm. affirmations thing and then I did it I'm like oh this isn't working so Mm -hmm. what's the Mm -hmm. point and I think that often we are so in it that we end up giving up before we reach that point but like you said, mm-hmm. it's the opposite actions, right? So it's like you're you're walking mm-hmm. down a path in the woods and it's the path you go on every single time you go hiking mm-hmm. and you want a different path, but you can't see it yet. So every time you choose to take a step mm-hmm. off the comfortable path, right? How do we form paths in the woods? It's like the more you walk, the more the grass gets worn mm-hmm. down, the more dirt you see, right? The more you say, I'm going to take a step off in the same spot every time, that's how behavior change happens, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You have to do it consistently. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't always like feel good while you're starting or even sometimes like while you're still doing. And I feel like that's just so important for like people to know, you know, because I think with like things like mindfulness or not even, it doesn't even have to be mindfulness, but it could just be, you know, like changing your thoughts and, you know, whatever kind of intervention or strategy it is. I think that it can be so hard sometimes when you just, you know, when you don't identify it and you identify more with some of maybe the other stuff going on. It's so, it's just so like easy and natural to kind of be like, oh, well, you know, like that works for them or that works for other people, but that could never work for me. And I mean, there might be some truth in the sense that, you know, if you don't like yoga, like, no, don't force yourself into like a yoga class, like by any means, like, no, don't do something that like, you, you know, give a shot and you're like, this isn't for me. Like, that's totally fine. But I think it's just about trying something on, seeing how it sits, you know, giving it a chance. And then, hey, like, if that's not the thing for you, then it's like, okay, so what else is out there for me? Or what else could this look like? 
And I think just having that open mindset, it just, it just kind of gives you that key to like possibilities. And then that's so powerful because then you, you get to kind of decide like what you want healing to look like, what you want joy to look like, or, you know, all these kind of beautiful things that the world tells us, like, you know, we ought to be, and like, sometimes we're striving for it. We don't even know how. And it's just like, well, maybe like, we don't have to strive for anything. Maybe we are just meant to kind of be and flow and feel the big things and not great things and also feel the joyful things too. Yeah. It's like, we're adding happiness or joyfulness to our to-do list, like things we have to check off of things we quote unquote should be right. It goes back Mm -hmm. to shame. I mean, you know, yoga is not my thing and I've tried, you know, and people are like, oh, if you're healing from XYZ, you should do yoga. You should try meditation. Mm -hmm. And after a really long time of trying to make those things work for me, I realized that exactly it didn't feel right. And I had to figure Mm -hmm. out, okay, maybe this isn't what it looks like for me, but what could it look like? So yeah right? It's rare that you will find me laying on the floor, closing my eyes, breathing. The only reason Mm -hmm. I'll do it is if I come to one of your classes to support you. (laughs) But like, otherwise, what could that look like? So that's me spinning around my bar in the the backyard, my pullovers, um, Mm -hmm. and just breathing. That's me deadlifting, because that's a very body present breathing state. That's, you know, me just dribbling my basketball in the driveway. And just, and these are all instances where I'm able to be really just present with my body breath with you know noticing what thoughts are coming and just being really calm like it almost sounds like it's a distraction like oh you're working out but there's a difference for me between working out and having just these very repetitive slow Mm -hmm. calming motions you know yeah well it's the presence like you said and and that in itself is very meditative I mean yoga is really just about breath synced with movement Mm -hmm. so you know that movement can truly look you know however it wants to look and you know stillness is simply being still like you know Mm -hmm. you could be still just like sitting on the couch really and just focusing on the breath and it's hard to like do that or you could be outside you know you can find ways to be present with yourself and I don't think that that's an easy thing to do I think you know that can be very hard but it can certainly look different for everybody. And, you know, I think that, you know, we can find those moments or we can find those roots that work for us. Yeah. And it's important to not give up on those things just because you think they're not quote unquote good enough. Right. Yeah. Like I see that a lot where people are like, well, this isn't how it should look. So what's even Mm -hmm. the point? And there's no, there's no should. Like if you think that, you know, deadlifting in the driveway, that is my most calm and happy state Mm -hmm. out of the entire week, right? But if you think that that doesn't count as meditation, or that's not quote unquote, good enough, right, you don't do that. Or if I thought that, and I didn't do that, then I would be missing out on these few hours that I give myself multiple times a week to just be really present, feel Mm -hmm. really happy, feel really energized and good in my brain right and Mm -hmm. we give up on things so often because we think it's not the way it should look so part of shredding the should is acknowledging there is no should right Mm -hmm. and doing things Mm -hmm. that feel aligned for you yeah yeah absolutely yeah and so I want to go back to something else that you said in that story there's so many things Mm -hmm. but 
One of the takeaways I got from that when you're talking about, you know, yelling at the guy and that being really, I was like, yeah, that is really out of character for you. But (laughs) but it's important because we have to advocate for ourselves. And I think so often, especially if we're people pleasers, we struggle with that. And I think especially when it comes to our health or physical health or mental health, I mean, it's all connected, right? We can't separate Mm -hmm. it. We have to advocate because nobody knows what you need more than you do. Mm-hmm. And that's, so I, I'm glad that you did that because that's really important. And I think often we are afraid to do that because even in this moment of like, this could be life or death here, sometimes mm-hmm. we are still afraid to say what we need. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I like think about that moment sometimes. And I wonder, you know, like if I were younger when mm-hmm. I was in that seat, like if I were 15 or 18 or 19 or, you know, any one of the younger ages, like, would I have said it that way? And honestly, like, I don't even know, like, it just so I kind of doubt it in a way, because I was still learning how to use my voice. And I think even then at that age, like I, you know, I was still learning, I think I'm always learning. Um, And, you know, but I think what was so important about it is just that idea of refusing to be refused. And like speaking up and saying the thing, even when like you're shaking or you're sweating, like I was probably sweating buckets then, like when I was saying that, I don't even know. But like, it's just doing the things and speaking up and because you have your back. And I think that was one of the first times in a long time for me when I had truly had my back, like in that moment. And I'll always be thankful to myself. And I think that's important too, is to remember those times when you did have your back and to, you know, thank yourself for that because you got yourself there and it wasn't easy. And like, maybe you had help and, you know, and that was really important and that's all part of it too. But I think, you know, just also like giving credit to ourselves can be really big and kind of a good reinforcer, I guess, to like kind of keep doing that, keep taking steps for ourselves, even if it doesn't always work out. Yeah. For anyone listening who needs a new journal prompt, there you go, right? What (laughs) have you, how have you showed up for yourself in the past, right? How have you had your back? How have you come through for yourself? Even if it didn't go the way that you wanted it to, right? It's still making a choice Mm -hmm. to show up for yourself. And I think that's important. Yeah. And I think it can be in the smallest ways too. Like I, you know, even working with students sometimes have asked them, just as little icebreakers or warmups, you know, like what's something positive from your week or what's something that you're proud of? And, you know, sometimes it's so hard to think of a positive or something that you're proud of, because I think at least in my experience, we're mostly drawn to try to think of these big, grand things. When in reality, just the fact that you get up out of bed, you know, that's, that is showing up because it's committing that I'm here today, you know, and that's actually a really big deal. And, you know, and then moving on with your day, like every little thing, like those are positive. Even sometimes, you know, we're kind of not thinking about that because we're thinking, oh, where do I have to be? What do I have to do? And it's the cycle. But we do actually show up for ourselves in a lot of different ways. And I don't know if we always recognize that, but we do. And like there, you know, sometimes like we might be reckless with ourselves. Like certainly there have been times where I've been reckless with myself and I didn't treat myself super kindly. And, you know, like, and I own that. And, 
you know, I think like current me now, like sometimes I'll like think about it and be like, yeah, sorry, Lucia. <laughs> you know, like that was kind of messed up like of me for that. But, you know, I was doing the best I could with the tools I had at the time. And like, and that's just that, you know? Yeah, you are always doing the best that you can with the tools that you have, right? Mm-hmm. You're always doing the best you can with the info that you have at the time. And it's really easy for us to look back after the fact and be like, why did you do that? What's wrong with you? But ultimately, you have to trust yourself that you are acting with what you have and with what you know, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is really powerful. <laughs> <laughs> There's something else there. I can't even remember now, but I, I, going back into your story too, I think the other thing is just also a reminder to anybody listening that if you are struggling with your mental health, it's okay to reach out to other people. And that mm-hmm. often we don't know, right. Especially if you are, I related a lot to that when you were talking, thinking back to like, high school and college when I was struggling, Mm -hmm. but I was always the like really good student and really Mm -hmm. funny and right. Like all the things. So nobody Mm -hmm. knew. And I think, and you know, throughout our friendship, I don't think you knew how much I was struggling because I was your, your mentor. So Mm -hmm. like you can't do that. And -hmm. I don't think I knew how much you were struggling. And I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, when you text me, you're in the hospital and I'm like, wait, excuse me, where, where was Mm -hmm. I? Right. Yeah. 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 And it's just, you know, we like think we're so alone and we feel so isolated. And I think sometimes, you know, there could be, I know I've thought it in the past, so maybe other people can relate, but sometimes you think like, oh, like they wouldn't understand or, you know, they, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like sometimes you're right in that people like don't always understand because I don't know if you really can truly understand someone's exact situation right but they certainly have been through things in life that like you can't understand either but you could still love them like unconditionally and be there for them and I know like I'm thankful for the people like in my life throughout all these kind of like little spouts of it you know like there were people in like the spiritual healing center that I was connected to that helped me, you know, like, fam- like certain family members too, who knew, like, not everybody knew, but, you know, that was like, also like my choice. So I think that, you know, there's so much that we can gain from connection with one another. And that's almost like, one piece of like, one of the antidotes to like, all of this is that, that loving connection. I think that's super powerful and important. Yeah, I agree. And I think sometimes, you know, we'll talk about things, but we don't really talk about things, right? So like yeah. even you and I being super open about mental health and like, you know, being really close, it would be like, let's talk about this it, thing that just happened at work, right? Or let's talk about this thing that just mm-hmm. happened in my relationship, or let's talk about yeah. these negative thoughts I'm having. And we don't often realize how these things aren't just in isolation, right? Or it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, we just had this conversation about work, or we just had this conversation about one of our partners, or like whatever the thing is. But then how do these things, you know, become snowballs and how do they build mm-hmm. up? And I think that some topics are more normalized, right? Like complaining mm-hmm. about people that you're dating or mm-hmm. complaining about work. And because we do that, I don't think we often check in with each other to see like as a society to see what else is going on there. And if people are really okay, or we feel like we can't because we do trauma comparison a lot where it's, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, we assume my situation is not as bad as your situation. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you what I'm thinking or feeling like 
I mean, you know, I was going through a lot of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Which could potentially send you signals to be like, you know, I don't want to bother her right now because I know Mm -hmm. she's going through it. And, And so I think it's just always important to, even if we assume that other people know that we are like safe people or that we can always have these conversations, I think it's always important to reiterate that to the people that we care about because even I think even yeah. just hey, I'm always here for you if you need to talk like cool but if we're people pleasers and we're putting everybody else first before ourselves mm-hmm. we don't want a burden that the pe- the people that we care about so it's like great yeah me, so I really don't want to tell you now yeah yeah definitely that like oh I don't want to bother them I know like I I can relate to because I've definitely experienced that again like going back to what I said about you know the beginning part with like just wanting to like, okay, like I can handle it. Like I can handle it. And yeah, like sometimes it's just really, I mean, all the time, it's really just okay to like not be able to like handle it or just like want to just talk openly and honestly with the people in your life. Yeah. And I also think that's where things like therapy or coaching, you know, Mm -hmm. programs also come in handy because we don't know what we don't know. We don't know how to handle Mm -hmm. things on our own all the time. We're not expected to be Mm -hmm. able to that right and I think it's important to have people that can guide you but then it's also like you said important to have that within your actual community because I've found Mm -hmm. that you know like therapy is awesome and you can talk through things Mm -hmm. how helpful is that if you and it is helpful but like how helpful Mm -hmm. is it if you still feel like you have to hide things from the people in your life right because then there's Mm -hmm. like this level of shame that we're carrying around Mm -hmm. you know like, like I have a client who will talk through things in therapy and that's awesome and they can process but then they're still hiding you know maybe they're struggling with like body image for example Mm -hmm. and they're hiding that from everybody in their lives so that means they feel Mm -hmm. like they can't be their true authentic self with the people that they care about which adds a layer of shame and Mm -hmm. for people yeah and to go off of that I think something else that's super important to remember is that you know, there's so many resources and people out in the world, like podcasts, books, videos, like there's so much content of people having these kinds of conversations. And I think that's important because, you know, sometimes like you don't really get what you need from one place. So maybe, you know, somebody else could be maybe talking about the, like a same, the same theme, but in a different way. And then that's the time, like it clicks with you, or that's the messaging that is the one. And that I think is so like important too, because, you know, I think some people could try, they could try like pairing up with a coach, for example, or a therapist, and then, you know, it goes south because that could happen too, especially when you're dealing with like, you know, other humans and, you know, they have their own biases and their own this and their own that, like, you know, it's kind of tough. Like sometimes you have to work to find your fit and that's not always an option for people. So it's just also important to remember, you know, there's a lot of this content, I think, out in the world right now, which is really amazing. And so if, you know, you don't find the right fit for you, then to just like, remember, like, maybe there's still another option out there for me, whether that be another person, or even for, you know, maybe it's not even about another person, but maybe it's, you know, a book or like someone's podcast, someone's something that they're creating. Like, I know that I would not be where I am in my healing process if, you know, I had just been the one, you know, with the one therapist I found at like 15, like, I don't see that person like anymore. I didn't see them for long. Like, 
that's not part of like my healing journey. Like it has been the culmination of the significant people in my life. It has been a culmination of the books that I've read, of the videos that I've watched or things I've listened to, to help. And some of those things, honestly, like maybe if I was struggling right now and would go back, maybe it wouldn't help me. Maybe it wouldn't click with me anymore, but it did during the time that it did. And I think like, that's important. Like we change as we grow, we need different things. And there's a lot out there. Again, kind of going back to why it's so helpful to be connected with people, because then you can learn new things from each other or meet new people. Yeah, 100%. And along those lines, so you know, switch gears a little, but not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this whole experience for you was actually what inspired me to create my group program, Mind Body Breakthrough, right? Because we were talking about the things that you were learning and we were talking about the importance of that connection. And I actually created this, for anyone who doesn't know, right at the start of the pandemic because Mm -hmm. we were all out here struggling with our mental health and isolation Mm -hmm. and lack of connection. So I definitely have to say thank you for that because it's been, I think, just so helpful for so many people. And, you know, I think... Yeah, I mean, I, you you were the inspiration for it. So I'd love to kind of, you know, talk about that in, in kind of part of your journey too, because I think mm-hmm. that to what you said about like, we're always learning, right? And different people could say things in different ways. Things could click differently. Mm-hmm. And and that group environment, I think, was was really key, right? Yeah, definitely. And I love, I love group environments and group things because I think so much can come up like for people you know like you can hear other people and their stories which then you know you can relate to them in some way or maybe you learn something from them or sometimes they say something that rubs you the wrong way and so you have these weird feelings coming up and it's like whoa what's that about (laughs) like maybe I gotta check that one out and I think like that is why groups uh, can be you know, they can be powerful, they can be helpful, because it's that connection, it's that learning. And then I think you end up learning more about yourself throughout the process. And that's always valuable. You know, sometimes they don't always go, you know, the best way But we can hope that we have a good facilitator there that we can talk to open and honestly about it. But I loved, you know, my experience in MBB, I thought it was such a cool way for me to hone in on the body image stuff that I had been dealing with still do. And especially like when I was younger, but never got to like talk about. And so I was super thankful for that experience. I feel like that really helped me with my relationship with my mind and my body, but it was super valuable. And, you know, I'm just, I can never really forget it because especially because of the time period that it was in at, you know, start of the pandemic and, I think it just was a great way to grow together. Yeah. And I think that it goes back to what you said earlier about different people saying things in different ways, different fits, right? So sometimes we'll go through a program. I think of it kind of like physical therapy where like we Mm -hmm. get hurt, we go to physical therapy and they're like, cool, you're here for 12 weeks because really that's what insurance will cover, right? Mm -hmm. You're here for 12 weeks Mm -hmm. and we think we're quote unquote fixed Mm -hmm. and then we're done. And then you leave physical therapy and you stop doing the exercises, Mm -hmm. right? And we don't look at it as a long game of like, I need to continue doing these things. I feel good. Let me continue doing these things because I feel good. 
versus we only start doing them when we feel not good. And I think for you, it just shows, you know, you're, you're very in tune with yourself. You're doing all of this healing work and you're like, cool, let me do more. Like, I feel good. Let me do things to mm-hmm. help me continue to feel good. Or I don't feel good. Let me ask for help. Right. It can go mm-hmm. both ways. But I think that when we think that we are quote unquote fixed, which we're not, we're mm-hmm. not broken things that need a fix, but when we mm-hmm. think we're, we're fixed and we stop trying to learn and we stop putting ourselves in these spaces where we can heal and grow Mm -hmm. then that's where we start to feel really isolated and disconnected right yeah definitely and I love that you brought that up because that is so big you know that is big like you spend weeks doing the thing or you know participating in the group like whatever it is you're doing the stuff and then it's like ah voila like I must be good now And like, oh, no, 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 because you still like, there's still life, like, life is not meant, I don't think to be easy, like it has hard things that happen. And even now, I mean, you know, so hello, for everybody who's listening, like, sometimes like, I'll text Alex or call her and be like, yeah, you know, like, I had this intrusive thought about my body, or like, I had this, like, feeling about working out. And then I was like, wait, 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 like, okay, let's like, look into this. So I think, you know, like, that's, the thing to remember it's like the thoughts can still come the feelings can still come because those things you know may have been conditioned in us we have learned them and you know that may have been a learned thing for quite some time and so they may come again and our culture is still you know kind of giving us like certain messages so it may come again and then you know, maybe we can also now notice and then maybe have another plan for how to protect ourselves, like protect our bodies, protect our minds when they arise. I feel like that, that part of like any kind of, you know, new thing you're trying to do, you know, like, okay, when the novelty wears off, or when you're out there, you know, life is stressful, because it is, you know, how do you take care of yourself then? Or, you know, what's your system going to be? Like, those are helpful things to know because, you know, life will be hard because it just is. Yeah. And I like what you said there about if we can kind of go into it with the expectation that we're not trying to fix ourselves, right? But that, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're doing this healing work, you are going to feel better, but you're not going to be 100%, 100% of the time, right? Yeah. These thoughts still come and we have the choice to have that non-judgmental awareness, to have that action plan. And mm-hmm. I mean, what's cool for me is it's been like two years now, which is also wild to think about, but that you'll still text me and say, hey, I use this thing that I learned in Mind mm-hmm. Body Breaking the other day. I don't remember what it, like whether it's reframing or like mm-hmm. some other tool, you're like, hey, I used this and it was mm-hmm. helpful. Or yes right? Like either use it to prevent something or like this thing happened because I'm human. I had these intrusive mm-hmm. thoughts and here's what I used to counteract it. And I think so often mm-hmm. we think we need to go through these programs and, you know, then nothing bad is ever going to happen again. Like yeah. that's just going to mm-hmm. be shiny. Mm-hmm. Right. And <laughs> it's not about that because life is unpredictable. So it's about mm-hmm. knowing how to, you know, I call it villain hero thoughts for a reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. any superhero super yeah superhero movie you've ever watched there's always a villain like that's just we don't know why there just always is mm-hmm. right it's just always there and it's not like the superheroes existing means that villains never show up mm-hmm. it means that the villain's going to show up because it does right because all these mm-hmm. years and all this other stuff societal should shame mm-hmm. etc 
and that the hero has been training. Think of it like you're mm-hmm. training. Anybody who goes to the gym, goes for walks, like whatever mm-hmm. it is, you are training to fight these battles with these villains when they do mm-hmm. show up. And I think that is the big mindset shift that helps people yes. feel better. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it's totally okay too if sometimes like the superhero that's coming in in that moment, it's totally fine too if that superhero is the art of sitting with the big thing or that thought. And, you know, something that like mindfulness and kind of the philosophy of mindfulness will say is allowing that thought to come and rather than accepting it as true, allowing it you know to rise like perhaps intensify and then fall like a wave and you know pass and obviously depending on the nature of the thought like there's not always time to like okay like I'll sit with this like no 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 like you know certain things like you need to kind of address but for other feelings like sometimes you know maybe that superhero moment is like okay just acknowledging what it is like I remember that was something I would struggle with with reframing my thoughts like in certain moments I was like trying so hard I would reframe it and reframe, but then I couldn't stop like the feeling of anxiety in my body. So I would be like, what the heck? Like I've reframed my thought. Why is the anxiety still here? And I was like, what the heck? And then it was just about, well, no, no, no. Like, because if you're trying to reframe it, then you're trying to get away from that feeling. Then you're trying to avoid your feeling. But really this art is about accepting all the feelings and not judging them and not like being you know, harsh or judgmental of yourself with them, but just simply acknowledging them as a part of your experience and not you. And like, you know, and that was something that that is something that I just learned like this year, like how to like really practice. So again, constantly learning with like, who's going to be your superhero today? And what is it going to look like? You know, it's just, it's an ongoing process, which is really cool. Yeah. Choose your character, right? That's really yeah. what it is. It's like you have mm-hmm. different tools for different occasions and sometimes reframing might work and sometimes it might not. And you mm-hmm. just sit with it and can kind of look at it like an adventure, right? You're in a superhero movie and you get to, yeah. or a video game and you get to choose your character for the day. And sometimes it's a combination of characters. I mean, there's plenty of movies where, you know, yeah. you get the squad together to fight the villain because again, sometimes it's hard to do on your own and we're not totally mm-hmm. meant to do it on our own, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think that's really, that's really, really powerful. And yeah, I mean, anxiety, depression, like all these things, it's, it's both, right. It's brain and body. Like we hold this mm-hmm. tension in our body. We can't, I always say we can't separate mental and physical health, mm-hmm. but you know, I think every time you have that non-judgmental awareness, that's a win, right. So you go back to, to celebrating yourself, even mm-hmm. if it's something you think is quote unquote too small to mm-hmm. celebrate, right. And it's nothing is too small. Everything's mm-hmm. a win. Um, but just every time that you're able to sit with yourself, that's a win, right? Every time you yeah. it's a win. So the more that we can celebrate ourselves on this journey, the more progress we will make on the journey rather than just being stuck in our usual pattern of this isn't happening fast enough, good enough, mm-hmm. I'm failing, right? It's going back to the, my, my favorite reframe is usually not getting the result you want isn't a reflection of your abilities. It's a reflection of your process, right? And yeah. And like let's check the process and try again so you said you tried reframing it didn't work right Mm -hmm. but you're bad at it it's not that you can't change your thoughts whatever it's that in that moment your process needed you to bring in some stillness and a Mm -hmm. way to regulate your physical body and so you built that awareness and you're like 
cool. Let me change my process. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is working, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think reminding yourself too, like I can survive this is helpful. Like, you know, whether it's the anxious moment or the intrusive thought, you know, like after you've, after you've taken your time to do whatever you need to do. And then even if it's at the end of the day or whenever it is, being able to like recall that moment when it felt really, really hard and really, really intense and just like acknowledge like I survived that, like I made it through that. I think that has helped me at least with being just kind of saying like, yeah, like I can feel these really, you know, wild things. At least that's what they feel like to me, you know, and then I can survive them and I can continue on. Yeah. That's a win. That's a hero mm-hmm. thought. Yeah. Really yeah. An example of going back to that journal prompt, a time that you showed up for yourself, mm-hmm. right? You survived mm-hmm. it, showed up for yourself. And that's yeah. mm-hmm. like that. I think for me, the, the, I survived that statement or I will survive this statement. It's always the same thing. I right, And I've at this point developed my personal process, not saying that this is what other people quote unquote mm-hmm. should do. I'm putting everything in air quotes today. I just wish people could see me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, I, I think for me, it's every time I need my journal because I process best if I write something down mm-hmm. and, or a mirror depends. Some usually a combination of both, if it doesn't go away. And usually whatever the reframe is or the you will survive this moment is, it starts with you are Alex fucking cats. Like Mm -hmm. every single time that is a statement that I need to, and you know, my whole like pull your head out of your ass stuff that I say. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Right. But it always, like I respond really well to swearing and not from like a a hard on myself perspective, right? Like what the, what the swear word is wrong with you, swear word, swear word, swear. Like, no, it's, Mm -hmm. it's trying to really psych myself up and see myself Mm -hmm. as somebody really powerful, the powerful hero Mm -hmm. in my story who can get through whatever the thing is. And it's taken me a lot of years and a lot of trial Mm -hmm. and error to recognize that you are Alex. Okay. Five words that those five, (laughs) that those five words are what, like, I can literally feel something shift in my brain, like something Mm -hmm. fires differently when I say that. And it's, Mm-hmm. taking me a really long time right versus somebody like you might need to sit and feel and mm-hmm. I might also need to do that but at a different point in time and maybe in that mm-hmm. moment I need to I need those five words and it switches it for me and, mm-hmm. and it's gonna look different and that's okay like that's awesome yeah that means that you know what your superpower is right mm-hmm. yeah it's all trial and error people that's <laughs> just what it is it's all just a learning experiment it seems like yeah I don't know what I'm going to do if I change my last name. It's not going to have the same aggressiveness as the name. Right. The same punch. (laughs) Yeah. Like it needs that, the hard letters to it. But yeah. 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 Yeah, But exactly. Like it's all trial and error. And if something doesn't work, don't blame yourself. Right. Just try Mm -hmm. something else. And you will learn so much about yourself in the process. And that's really cool. Like for me to be able to stand here and say, these five words do this for me. If you asked me that when I was 23, oh my God, I had no idea. I was like, I am sad. And so I am going to listen to sad music or Mm -hmm. music, like insert whatever the feeling was that I Mm -hmm. had. And for me, like that wasn't, that wasn't the move. That wasn't what allowed me to feel better. And I had to learn what works for me to shift my Mm -hmm. mental state. And it's been such a process. You know, people are like, well, 
how are you so like whatever the thing is confident happy how do you whatever and it's like trial and error years of trial and error years of have degrees in psychology right and like I I even knowing that and you do too right like you have this mental health background like even knowing how things work inside the brain that doesn't mean that just because it says this in a textbook that it's gonna Mm -hmm. work for you and really you know even as a coach it's like I can give you tools because Mm -hmm. I want you to have a really full toolbox I can't tell you which one is going to stick for you. And I can't tell you which one is going to work during which scenario. All Mm -hmm. I can say is like, here's a full box of things that we can practice using so that, you know, if this situation calls for a hammer, you feel confident using it. And if it calls for a drill, you feel confident using it. And Mm -hmm. if it calls for neither, like I can support you to learn how to use a new tool, but Mm -hmm. I love hammers doesn't mean that it's going to be what works best for you, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I try to, I mean, I guess I'm a little biased because I love playing through life, (laughs) you know, just like play. I'm a big person about play. And I think just even approaching it like from that perspective now sits well with me, you know, like, okay, like I'm just playing around trying to figure out what's working for me and, you know, not, it doesn't always work. And then I just have to try again. And I think sometimes being a little lighter with myself also like helps me kind of move throughout, but it's not always light, you know, it's not always like that. It can't always be, I guess, because that's just not how life is. There's ebbs and it flows. But yeah, just listening to yourself and finding what works, I think is one of those long-term lessons. A hundred percent. Yeah. And you know how I feel about playing. Everything is playtime to me. Like I'm going to go play with the laundry. I'm going to go play with this. Like if there's something I don't want to do, I flip it and it's now playtime because you're something (laughs) as something you have to do. You don't Mm -hmm. want to do it. It's a chore. Or we think of things in these boxes of right and wrong, right? Like Mm -hmm. I need to do this right. I need to do this well this needs to be good enough and I think if we can flip it as exactly we're just playing everything is just playtime. Mm-hmm. we feel so much better about ourselves we try new things right yeah I see it all the time like in the ninja gym where we're afraid to try obstacles because we're afraid to fail right and it's like yeah. well, you define what failure means I see it as playing like sweet mm-hmm. I get to go play on obstacles at, you know mm-hmm. But I think failing, we're afraid that it's not going to work or other people are going to see us fail. And I, I have this video of me just like completely knocking myself out with a mm-hmm. car doing a ninja obstacle. And there are like seven people behind me. Yeah. Nobody's watching. Like I, yeah. I might post this again this week now that I'm doing that, <laughs> but like nobody is watching. I tried this obstacle. I remember getting up there mm-hmm. and being nervous, like, okay, well, what if I fall? And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. what are the two options? You get hurt where people laugh at you, right? Those are mm-hmm. those are really what I'm afraid of in terms of failing in that instance. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure I gave myself a concussion, but also no, <laughs> oh, no. nobody saw. Like I literally in this video, nobody yeah. was watching me. It was like 10 minutes later where they're like, why are you on the ground? Um, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> for me, from my perspective of like, yeah, I hit myself in the head with the bar, but I looked at it as playtime and I looked at that. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying I failed, I suck, I can't do this, right? Mm-hmm. Not a reflection of my abilities. I said, well, what was your process? And I played the video back and I'm like, oh, the bar was a little too far to the left. You didn't commit fully because you were mm-hmm. afraid of what would happen. So you didn't get enough power, great. Right? Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I said, cool, let's examine your process and then let's try again. You get, to, you get, get being the key word, you yeah. get to try again, you get to play on this yeah. again. 
maybe not right away if you have a concussion, but you get, to- <laughs> she got checked out. She got checked out. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> uh, and you get to decide what your next step is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That made me think of just kind of like another moment where, you know, I had a similar thing where it's like, I was really nervous. This was in an audition setting. And I was super nervous for the audition. And I you know like my greatest fear in kind of a big room with auditioning is forgetting the dance or forgetting something. And I did, I forgot, like I started strong and then just blanked on the dance and the directors were watching. We were in groups of three. I wasn't the only one who forgot, but you know, blanked the worst like fear that I, you know, that I had thought of like happened. And in the moment I just ended up laughing and just continued to do who knows what kind of dance and then eventually finished and you know then we went we got to try it again and the second time was fine it was good but it's just like yeah like sometimes like we just yeah like we just mess up or we fall or we forget things and I don't know like I think sometimes like we put the weight so like heavy on ourselves and like all this pressure and then in the moment or experiencing it sometimes unless you know hopefully no concussions (laughs) but in the moment like you know hopefully we can at least hope that even if we fail or the worst happened we make it we make it through and you know the music continues on the dance continues on and like hopefully we get to have a little bit of fun along the way yeah and also, like, even if you do get a concussion, it's fine. We're fine. I've had a couple. It's fine. But like, yeah. <laughs> then you figure that one out, too, I guess. <laughs> but, like, you know, I learned from it. But, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You get to decide what you do next. I love that. So I have one more final question for you. Yes. For today. What? Oh, I have two more questions. I lied. Oh, man. All right. question is right now what shows are you shredding to find your path for what lights you up versus the path that you've been on of things that you think you should do let's see so alex already knows this but of course our dear listeners do not but so as i said before i'm very passionate about the arts and performance this is something that's always been that fuel i think I just am so in love with that passion. You know, it lights me up, fills me up. And so while I'm figuring out my path, I think growing up, you know, I was always taught, you know, these are the way things are done or these are the steps you climb to be successful. And I know like my family, you know, definitely has had to like do that um, and has worked very, very tirelessly. And I'm super thankful for all of that. And so I think part of like my kind of inner dialogue was like, okay, you know, like you work really hard, like fight to get to the next level and then the next level, and then you give back and then you go to the next. And I had this very kind of like traditional outlook, like, okay, go to school, get a job, you know, stay in the job, progress, whatever promotions, da, 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 da. And now I'm just at this point where I've already hopscotched through like a few different job styles you know like I started really passionate about journalism and then got really passionate about student development and then was curious about teaching and how that you know what basically how like our education system is built and was you know really into that and then had all the mental health things happening so also like wanted to figure out how do you support students mental health and students development and so I've had uh, 
already sort of a windy road. And I think it's just going to continue to be that wavy, windy way. So right now, I'm trying to release that should of, oh, like you should be pursuing the traditional next step. So that's what I'm working on shredding right now, just because I think that we are meant to lead maybe non-traditional lives, you know, like some, like maybe for some of us, like that makes sense. And that's what's filling us up and what's lighting us up. And I think for others, there, you know, are perhaps other places you go and it's a zigzag approach. So I think I'm just trying to release that should of, you know, needing to know, like, I should know what I want to do with my life by now. For example, I should know what I want to be when I grow up. Because the reality is, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I know what I'm super passionate about. And I know what missions I have about what I want to like give to the world. I know all of that. And so I also know that whatever career I end up in, whatever job, like, will be tending to that. But I'm trying to release, you know, the idea that like, oh, I should be in XYZ career, I should be knowing exactly what I want. Yeah. So yeah. My last question for you is going to be, what is your big piece of advice for anyone trying to shred shoulds in their lives? And while you think about that, I will just say Mm -hmm. on on what you just said, Mm -hmm. you know, I also, I a hundred percent agree. And I think that part of the should to shred is not just the idea that we have to have it all figured out, but also that we have to stick with something just because we've put work into it. Right. Yeah. You know, like it's giving up, Mm -hmm. it's failing, it's lazy, it's whatever. Like this idea of you need to know what you're going to do with your life at like 18 and you're going to, you know, pursue Mm -hmm. that and you can never change it. And Mm -hmm. like we are going to grow and change throughout our lives. I, I talked about this the other day because I chose not to apply to American Ninja Warrior this year, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. I, I said, you know, I spent four years working towards this goal of being on the show. And then when they, mm-hmm. you know, they called me and then COVID happened and it was a whole whatever. But like, I pivoted. I am different. I am not the same yeah. person I was when I started training. Like, that's not the lifestyle I want right now. And it's mm-hmm. not what I need right now. And it's not to say that I'm giving up. It's not to say that I'm failing, right? But it's just that I am listening to who I am and what I need mm-hmm. at this moment, not, you know, I think sometimes we've talked about this with career stuff. Like I, yeah. you know, I got my master's, I did all this stuff. I'm on this mm-hmm. path. I got my, my dream job, but what my dream mm-hmm. job was within the context of like, you will always be working for someone else. What do you want to do? Yeah. Or let mm-hmm. myself think about, well, what if I could start a business? Right. And then mm-hmm. I started this and then just done so many things that I never allowed myself to think that I could do because mm-hmm. I was following this traditional path. And then it's like, well, I have so much student debt. And like, you know, mm-hmm. this is the path I was supposed to be on. And what if I, if I don't do mm-hmm. that, like I, I put so much time and energy and resources into it. And now I'm just going to pivot and mm-hmm. that's okay. And I think a lot of times people yeah. are scared to make that next move. Cause it's like, well, I don't want to waste everything that I've already put into it, but it's yeah. like, right, right? you're just playing. Yeah, right. Because it was never a waste because it was serving you in the moment and you learned more about yourself or you gathered more information about what you like or what you don't like, which honestly, it's pretty important to know what you don't like too. <laughs> That's pretty important information. I So my boss of the Spiritual Healing Center, it's called the Healing and Harmony Center. And I remember sometimes I would you know talk to her and be like, yeah, like I'm stressed because of you know blah, blah, blah. And I'd go on 
you know, my whole things. And, you know, she could tell I was just torn. Then she would just sometimes pose. So what would happen if you made a different choice? And just kind of like a very simple, like, why not make a new choice? And it took the story out of everything and just left it simple and it kind of more like lighter and kind of lower stakes. Not, and you know, it's not to say like, every decision you make is going to be a low stakes decision, but it just took the pressure off of me, like in terms of how I was looking at it. Because if I approached it from like a playful perspective, then I wasn't getting bogged down by the story and the drama of things. I was just looking at the whole thing. Or, you know, like I know, you know, another prompt like people will give is like, oh, like, you know, like what if X, Y, Z, you know, like what if, or wouldn't it be cool if, like I've read a book, um, everything is figure outable by Marie Forleo. Like that is such a big part of that book too. Like, wouldn't it be cool if, and it's just like you said, like approaching it from that playful mindset takes the pressure off of you. So you can then explore like, huh, what do I want? Or what, you know, what is kind of at the core of me? Cause then once you figure that out, I guess you can figure out how to get there, but getting and tuning into yourself, I feel like is the first step. So I guess that kind of leads into, in terms of like the advice piece that you asked about, I think that there's so much value in being with yourself and learning how to listen to yourself. And even though the world and your loved ones and whoever will continue to share like their perspectives or, you know, their concerns or their this and their narratives, it is okay to let them be them and tune inwards and just listen to you. Because, you know, the outside things are always going to happen no matter what. Like, you know, if it's not a family member, it's a friend. If it's not a friend, it's what you see on TV. Like it's always going to be there. Someone always will have something to say about what you're doing or what you want to do. So I think the more we can practice listening to ourselves and tuning in to what we want, the more we can then strategize for how we want to get to that thing. And by strategizing, that might be as simple as, you know, like what are five like small things I can do or, you know, who can I talk to? Like my, you know, if I was trying to figure something out, maybe I would say like, okay, like step one, I got to call Alex and ask her about this one thing, you know, like maybe that's it. Or like, or maybe a different step is sign up for a dance class or like, you know, something like that. Like, I think those have been the lessons I've been learning from the content I've been like absorbing and they've been helping me. So I hope, you know, like that can kind of help other people too. Yeah, hundred percent. If you want more of that amazing wisdom, you can follow her on Instagram. I will link Lucia's Instagram in the description. And she's got some awesome meditations happening. If you'd like to attend, I highly recommend it. Thank you so much for being here. I hope this was helpful for everyone listening. And we will see you next time. Go shred those shoulds.